Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, January 9th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the bare bones of Web3, episode 13. Let's take a listen. Welcome to Bare Bones of Web3, episode number 13. Today's date is January 9th, 2023, with your host, Saberstein and EJ, the founder, and B Bands, a weekly dose of Web3 news, opinions, market analysis, and updates. This show is sponsored by Space Skellies. Please see the links above for more information. This show is for entertainment and information purposes only. Don't be silly. This is not financial advice. Information, entertainment, none of the, none of the topics discussed should be taken as such. If you are interested in these topics, please do your own research. Now, thank you so much for coming to episode 13. Um, this week on Bare Bones, we'll be having a special guest. His name is Chris. He is a game builder creator for Oldor. We'll be interviewing him towards the end of the show. Um, and then we will be followed by our market analysis and um, EJ's uh, key updates. And I was just checking the crowd to see if he was, had arrived just yet. Bare Bones Newsreel, January 9th. <clears throat> FTX is asking the charities that contributed to um that he contributed to for a refund, a total of 160 million that has been donated since September 2022, 110 pro nonprofits. Some of the re recipients have returned the donations while others have stated that they spent it already and there's still one more group that is seeking legal adv advice before they make a decision. Helium miners that are used for a decentralized blockchain technology have been found by Utah authorities over the past year. The total of miners found in the area have tripled in amount and are being found all around the Utah foothills on public land. The owners of the miners have not been located and the proper permits were not filed before installation of miners. They are being removed. It is actually quite easy to find the locations of miners as there is a site map, explore.helium.com, that will show you the hotspots areas. It is not outside of the realm of possibility that the public land was, slow, was showing the locations of the miners. And someone was just paying very close attention. In next news, uh, gambling addiction <laughs> maybe it's time to start an nft collection for funds popular nft media personality dnp3 did something like this in the past year he has been putting his life savings into a staking casino platform and is now stating he is broke many do not believe him and are requesting proof that the embattled media star is getting the help he needs dnp3 says he will be consulting with his legal team on if he can share the requested information more than 800 eth was made on the sale a I'm so sorry read the tweet, but a letter was attached to the tweet so you can read what he had to say where he continued to apologize. DNP3 was involved in founding a, a few popular NFT projects. For more information, please see Hash Bastard's NFT Twitter where he breaks down what occurred. 
Now Dolly, DJ and Scottish electronic musician, will be releasing new music. The Metamorphic album launching on BeatsDAO is only a 100 NFT collection, and you have to do a video interview to be considered for the allow list. It, it will cost one Ethereum per NFT. It is a very exclusive NFT project. The NFTs were created to be an immersive experience of sound coupled with East London landscapes that were collected using LiDAR technology. The 3D NFTs can be enjoyed via PC and VR. The future of the project will be placed in the hands of the DAO members, and the community will be deciding after six months if the collection will become private and not available for public viewing. Um, Saberstein? Um, I know we were discussing this last night and it is kind of an interesting topic because, you know, I know in the space we're in, we all value, well, a lot of us value our privacy quite a bit. And in this case, he's saying he wants to do a video call to even consider you for the allow list. But I don't think that it's intended the way that we intend NFTs to be um, because it seems more like he's trying a different way to get investors who will also um, help give like, ideas and direction for his future projects, um, if I'm understanding that correctly. And so it's just interesting to see somebody trying to do something else in the space that's not the same thing that, that we kind of do or we're looking for. So it'll be interesting to see if if it works or not. Obviously, this is going to take years, but um, I think you were doing the math as well last night on like how many NFTs there were. Yeah, so essentially there's only 100 NFTs, but there's only ever going to be 10 DAO tokens. So you have to have a complete album to be able to be part of the DAO where you would make decisions on the future of the project. Right. And so you, I think you'd have to have like 10 NFTs. Is that yes. right? Is it 10? Yeah. So you're spending like 10 ETH um, to be more involved. But it'll it'll be interesting. Like I'd like to see what happens with this because I'm assuming with doing the video call that you would be able to get like eat more easily get like ten pieces to have a full album rather than if you just did like an open mint and you know people probably like holdled them and were like oh well this person's gonna want you know number ten so we'll all just jack up the price so interesting concept. I just want to give a second, make sure, because yeah, I, I I like this idea. I'm I'm super interested in this. I watched, I actually watched the um little immersive experience, just kind of like the intro, and um I I found it extremely aesthetic, uh, aesthetically pleasing, and I I felt like I was kind of being brought into like this world that was like semi real, and and I don't know, it was just I don't know. I, I found it very nice, so I can't. I'm super excited to check it out. Yeah, but like, would you pay one ETH? to own it no i was you know how it says that the com the community will decide after six months because it's going to be available for public viewing for six months right i'll just like enjoy it in the first six months <laughs> <laughs> i'll just enjoy it for free for six months and get it like enjoy as much as i can and if they decide to make it private like no big deal <laughs> no big deal but like in that in those six months though couldn't somebody like i don't know is there like a way for you to like copy it kind of like how you know like people can buy nfts but somebody can always right click save and use it somewhere and you may never know. I don't know, just a thought. 
Yeah, no, I can, I can hear you on that. Um, I just got a couple more stories and then we will move on. Um, when there's a backlog of 100,000 alerts for suspicious behavior, you will probably be fined. So is the case with Coinbase. They have a $50 million fine currently for being so lax with their um, anti-money laundering measures. On top of that, they have to pay another $50 million to help themselves correct the mistakes. Um, Celsius Bankruptcy Court. Um, has a four point set a four point two billion dollar precedent. Um, in its terms and conditions, it stated that once you deposited your money into their um, decks, that their I mean to their into their exchange, that you no longer uh, owned it and it belonged to them. Saberstein. Yeah. So I know everybody says it, but it's definitely different when it actually happens. Like not your keys, not your crypto, because now you know you have you know, the law getting involved. And I'm always, I love following what's happening um, with the law in crypto because I think a lot of precedents, like everybody says, we're new in the space, right? It's it's a young space. So precedents are going to be set. And I think it's important that we're all aware of these, you know, precedents because it does set the stage for the future. And um, so, yeah, so this was definitely uh, an interesting one for for me to read. I'll say I did not fully read the entire document, but I do want to. Awesome. Well, on that note, we'll move on to our market analysis. Crypto, uh, crypto. Saberstein has put her BTC weekly chart in uh, the top nest, if you're curious, and I'll hand over the mic to you. Thank you. And I do hope EJ comes in, but I know that... Um, we were still messaging at like 12.30 in the morning my time, which might be 1.30 or, or later his time. So I'm hoping that he comes in. <laughs> um, so good morning, everyone. Bitcoin finally chose a direction and decided to move upward to test resistances above. And I just want to say um, a bit apologies. It seems like my voice is going again. So if it's difficult to hear, I apologize. On the weekly chart, Bitcoin printed a bullish engulfing candle last week, which is shown by the large bodied, and on my chart, it's a blue candle, closing above the previous bearish gray candle versus the usual red candle. I like to change my colors. Uh, volume was slightly higher than previous week, but still below average compared to the last several months' volume. Although seeing um, that the volume last week was a little bit higher than previous week um, does help with giving um, confluence to the bullish engulfing candle. Um, and, but generally a bullish engulfing candle holds more weight when it is seen at the bottom of a visible downtrend. Um, currently Bitcoin is trading within a range. Um, however, this may be a signal that the bulls will try and push to test resistance above. You know, um, I think I said last time or last show or the time before that after such a large move down, you know, you, you, you will see, I mean, it could break down, right? It could always break down, but generally, um, it likes to move and move in somewhat like a beautiful to me, beautiful pattern. And so generally resistance will get tested before another like major move down. Um, on the weekly chart, I have the first supply zone between 18,200 and 18,800. And if that turns support, then the next um, supply zone I have is between 20,000 and 21,000. Uh, current demand zone is still between 15,800 and 15,478 with, of course, um, the bottom being that 15,478 being your um, larger support support line. Uh, 
So quick note, I do use both supply demand zones and support resistance lines. On higher timeframes, I prefer to use the zones to give me an area of price rather than using the lines to give one price because there is a margin for error. You know, we're just making predictions based off of candlesticks and volume and whatnot on a chart. And so I found that always trying to chase the idea I could predict the exact price on a coin or a coin which you would reject or use as support was causing me to miss out on trades. So when I'm using zones, it's easier for me to scale in and out for swings or longer term trades. Excuse me as you are playing the overall trend. So especially on the higher time frames, you want to give like some leeway. You want to give more of like an area where you want to look at rather than, you know, if you're scalping on like a 15 minute chart, like for sure you definitely probably rather use um, support resistance lines because you don't have a lot of room. Um, oh, there you go. Okay, on the daily chart, the bounce on support at 16,675 and break above the SMAs gave us an uptrend. So as long as that uptrend line holds, we can continue further upwards, break below and confirm, and we can move downward to the first demand zone around 16,200, 16,400, break below that, and we could see back into that um, lower demand zone at 15,800 to that 15,478. Above, we have resistance between 17,600 to 17,800, which coincides with the resistance line at 17,620. Pardon me for a moment. Thank you. Um, many NFTs have been increasing in both price and volume these past two weeks, with volume really picking up across multiple ecosystems just this past week. NFTs in general have become very oversold, with sales down roughly 92% since September. It makes sense that NFTs would see a relief bounce as liquidity moves in cycles through NFTs, meme coins, dinosaur coins, shit coins, like et cetera, and whatever else comes out next. Um, I do not see this relief pump continuing to increase prices and volume without a pullback, at the, at the least a pullback, as the macro of the overall crypto and traditional markets is still bearish. So remember to take profit when you can and do your best to not feel disheartened. If you sell for a profit and the price continues to increase and someone flips you know, your NFT that you had sold for even higher. To make money in this world, you need to be okay with not selling the tops and not buying the bottoms every time. Um, it's definitely fun when it happens, but it's an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation um, for the future. Um, so a strategy I use when I mint or purchase NFTs um, is that I want, I'm looking to flip some of them to gain my initial capital back as fast as possible. So same thing as like when you're trading on a chart, you know, you, as soon as you can make your initial capital back, you want to scale out so that you have no more capital in the game. Um, so yeah, then the remainder costs me $0 to hold. So if the floor price goes below mint or to zero, I lose no capital. I just wouldn't gain any profit. Um, utilizing this strategy ensures I have no risk and can scale out on the way up if the price does increase. Um, the issue with this strategy is that your capital may limit you as you cannot purchase fractions of NFTs like you can coins or tokens. So you have to stay within your budget um, as purchasing multiples of an NFT is what allows you to scale out. So maybe a lot of like, like for my, for my, like for myself, I would not be, you know, and trying to flip a bunch of ETH projects because, you know, I'm not putting you know, $1,600 per NFT into five NFTs just so I have the option to scale out. 
Uh, many altcoins have been increasing this past week. Atom is up 35% from its low of $8.45 and is testing heavy resistance in the $11.40 range. Solana is up 114% from its low of $8, which is partially due to the token bonk that was airdropped to the Solana community, uh, as well as um, just being heavily oversold. Even though Polygon NFTs have been doing well, Matic has only increased 16% from its recent low of 75 cents, although the Matic price has held up well comparable to the two mentioned above. And now EJ will take us through what we can expect this week in the traditional markets. Thank you. Hey, Saberstein. Thank you, guys. Bands, apologies for being late. Um, when work happens, it happens. So we're going to get right to it. I hope, first off, you guys are having an incredible weekend, and now we're getting into the week. I hope your weeks go incredible and just are amazing. Last week, we did talk about the changes of inflation coming up with non-farm payroll. So let's recap last week really quick. Um, the Federal Reserve officials are committed to fighting the inflation. Um, so with that being said, uh, the central bank's meetings were last week, and the Target range for the benchmark Fed funds rate to 4.25% to 4.5%, its highest level in 15 years of interest rate heights. So uh, we have been talking that interest rates have, and we've been saying this for a very long time, to be very cautious because of interest rate hikes that were just flooding. This, like They were just flooding with interest rate hikes. Uh, you guys probably felt it in, in the grocery stores. You felt it everywhere. Um, so hopefully... As of last week, if you guys saw at the end of the week, um, I even had a talk with Saberstein. I was shorting Apple, um, and she was like, well, I think Apple might be ready for a long position. So on Friday morning, Apple dumped, and then it went long. Everything went green, which was amazing to see. Uh, Non-farm payrolls increased by uh, 223000 for the month of December, above the estimated 200000 and unemployment fell to 3.5%, which was a decline of 0.2%. Now you guys can kind of see how much that affects the market. And then later it fed into the crypto market on the weekend. That is why everything was moving. It is good signs to see from the US economy. Uh, the US is always kind of an indicator of what goes on in the global system. Um, so keep that in mind. They are, they are saying they're going to start doing their best to uh, not have any more uh, interest rate hikes. So if they change their narrative on that, that could very quickly become a bearish standpoint. Uh, but as of now, the Federal Reserve is looking at, uh, you know, Federal Chairman Powell uh, is saying, we are trying to fight inflation with no more interest rate hikes. Uh, just so you know, to fight inflation, typically you have to raise interest rates. That is why interest rates come during the worst times, uh, just so you guys kind of have a little of economics. Um, so last week, we ended up closing. The S&P 500 was up 1.45%. Some of the first green weeks we've seen for a long time. Uh, NASDAQ was up 0.98%. Dow Jones, once again, one of my favorites, was up 1.46%. Russell 2000 turning around and going 1.79%. Um, the earnings recaps were the WBA, uh, boosted full-year revenue due to the acquisition of the Summit Health. Um, X expected is going to be down about, what is this looking at? About half a billion dollars. So not bad, just WBA, uh, if you look at that ticker. Um, and then from there, we're going into this week. We have Monday today, 
We had the consumer at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The consumer credit report is expected with an estimated uh, $26 billion for the month of November. Please watch the consumer credit report. If it is below $26 billion, uh, just make sure you're paying attention. The markets may move. Uh, typically, this number doesn't go too crazy to affect the markets. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the U.S. Energy Information Ener uh, Administration will release its monthly short-term energy outlook. Uh, to recap as well, energy sector is the only sector in the entire uh, economy to have closed up 30% green this year. So if you had a lot of green stocks, green tech, um, you were up very big this year. Uh, so keep that in mind on Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Wednesday, all day, companies in the healthcare sector will uh, present at J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conferences. Um, so keep that. Just pay attention. Healthcare on Wednesday. This is the beginning of the year, guys. These are big meetings, big opportunities for guys to lock in new investors, uh, big, big hedge funds. These are meetings they go to to get billions and trillions of dollars into their company. Uh, so just really pay attention these next two weeks. Thursday, all day, Federal Reserve speakers during the day include Philadelphia President Patrick Harker and once again, St. Louis President James Bullard. He spoke last week as well. Um, and then Thursday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Consumer Price Report will drop to expectations for the headline of the Consumer Price Index reading. If you don't know what this means, basically just the amount that consumers are buying within the market. It is expected to be a cool down um, to 6.7%. But just pay attention to this as well. These are big numbers. I have markers by all these. because, And that really tells myself to make sure I'm paying attention. Uh, so I'm relaying the information. 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday. That one will rock the market if it is off. So that is the one I would put the biggest stars by. Thursday, 8.30. And then Friday, Last but not least, 8.30 in the morning, import price index, price index is expected with an estimate of negative 0.9% for the month of uh, December. So everything looks to be good. Guys, Thursday is your day to watch this week. Um, enjoy your week. Make it a good one. Uh, and most of all, make someone else's week. But bands, I'm going to pass it back to you. So thank you. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. I'm just going to do some quick announcements and then we will go into our interview um, into our guests. <laughs> uh, one million uh, Space Skellies did one million sales volume. You may have noticed, but this week Space Skellies exploded past one million stars in sales, tracking the number one in weekly volume, 24 hour in 24 hour volume and will take monthly volume at this pace. We know there is a lot happening, but most important, that was uh, that was what was released on our spaces earlier this week. Space Doodles game airdrop for holders now has $93,000 in volume, which is pretty awesome. Uh, the Space Skelly's released Ignition Labs. At the lab, you will be able to let the doctors test on one OG Space Skelly and one evil Space Skelly with um, including energy minerals. And you never know what you're going to get. So this more information will be released on this. On January 14th at 1 p.m., there's a poker tournament with Polygon projects like the Matic Grays. Um, we also have another one with Stargaze as well on the same day at 8 p.m. UTC. So uh, 
Thank you so much for your time, guys. Um, we're going to go and chat with our guest. Can I just hey, quickly Chris. shout out? Um, I put up in the nest, uh, Rectpedia by Bill um, has taken over, it looks like, from the Rect gang, sharing the NFT spreadsheet. And so I posted it up there because I really enjoy seeing this every day on my Twitter timeline because it gives great updates on projects everywhere from like Ontario to Polygon to Stargaze. So just wanted to give a shout out because I did put it up there and it's not from any of our accounts. Thanks, hey, Racine. Um So, hi, Chris. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm super excited to have you here. I'm doing good. Um, I know the I was trying to read the announcements. I, I don't know if maybe there's a smudge on my glasses, but <laughs> I was having a little trouble. So I apologize if that confused anyone, but I'm so glad you're here. And I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Um, but first, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is in um, Oldor. Yeah, so uh, I am Chris. Uh, you may know me as Graslow. Uh, my Twitter handle is Graslow Gamer. Uh, I am the founder of Oldor, um, and we founded a, a Web3 native gaming studio, uh, Max Level Studios. So, uh, yeah, I'm the founder of the, the studio, uh, and, and Oldor is really a passion project of mine. Uh, it's something that goes back more than 10 years. I registered Oldor.com back in 2011, actually. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's like, wow. Okay. So that def definitely sounds like a passion project. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Um, my next question is, with all the technology coming out um, with the games and the MMORPHs, how do you feel that your game will stand out from the rest? Yeah. So I, and and that's something I'm I'm really excited about too because uh the, and that's one reason why this project is something that I started on last year because I saw the the innovations um and you know we we have uh, Web three which is to me going to be very disruptive you know uh, I think NFTs in gaming uh, give players um, enhanced ownership and control it gives them transparency of blockchain and it also gives provable scarcity of assets. Uh, so I'm, I'm really bullish on that. Uh, and I think that that's something that gives opportunities to indie developers and startups that will adopt early. Uh, but I also really uh, am excited for the innovations in engines like UE5, which uh, makes building a, a scalable uh, game much more possible today by a small team. Uh, you can really uh, produce a, a game that that almost looks like a AAA game with a very small studio. Um, and even this year, uh, or, or in the past, you know, six months or so, the innovations in AI have really become in focus, um, and and how artificial intelligence can help with gaming, both on the development and creative side, and also on the player experience side. Um, if, I mean, it, and there's so many different ways it can it can help, but uh, from you know, I saw a tweet yesterday about language, uh, you know, uh, to where when you when you talk in a game either via uh, speech or via text, um, AI can interpret your, uh, your language and then translate it in the other player's language to where it, it basically is a seamless experience for you to talk to other people in other parts of the world. Uh, but also the experience of like uh, random NPCs in a world, you think about an MMO, 
where you may have many thousands of NPCs, which before were just, you know, lifeless and, and just stood there unless they had a quest or something to tell you. Uh, but imagine carrying on a conversation with any random NPC in a world because it's powered by AI and it knows the story of the world, the lore, and it and it's created itself a life and a job and a family um, that it, you know, deals with every day. And so you can go have this interactive experience. Uh, it adds so much immersion to a world uh, like an MMO. Wow. I, I'm sorry. Every time you, you're telling me something else, I need to just continue on the questions. Saberstein, would you like to say anything before I go on to my question? Do you have any questions or EJ? Yeah, I mean, I have, I have a question for you guys uh, designing the game because we actually have a a big it's called the Boneyard with a bunch of mini games being released. But in the future, our whole goal is to have a PVP built. What is your biggest, the hardest thing you guys come across on like a monthly occurrence you feel like? Is it always changing the, the I, I would say like the things you're running into, the conflicts, are they changing or the, is it continuously trying to fight certain like aspects of the market? It does you see what I'm saying? Is it is it something you're always continuously fighting, like the marketing, the traffic, or is it is it always a new like as you develop? Because I've never developed a game. As you develop, do new problems happen? Are there more things you got to think about? Uh, like what what advice could you give us or anyone else in the listener section that maybe has a a goal to create a game one day? Yeah, what a great question, and uh, I could give you a you know, an hour answer on that, but I'll try to like summarize a few points. So yes, uh, anytime you're dealing with like a development studio, you're going to run into all kinds of unexpected challenges, bottlenecks, you know, um, things that you had planned for, but then you kind of have to pivot and and do things a little differently than you planned because of some technical limitation, or, you know, it's just going to take too long or be too expensive. Um, But, but that's something that, you know, every developer is kind of used to. And so like when you're, I would say like as a project founder, one thing that I've learned is to just be, um, you know, I'm very good about transparency and like, I love telling our community where we are, what, what our expectations are, but you also have to manage that and let them know, uh, when those expectations change and, uh, when, you know, dates are not realistic or when something you can do something quicker um, and just kind of thinking through that, you know, so that you're not setting hard deadlines and, uh, you know, you, you pick a certain date and then you, you can't meet that goal. So that that would let down your community. Um, the other thing is we realized early on that the fundraising, both from like an NFT sale and also from investors, uh, is very unpredictable for a startup project. So you really have to think about your resources and be able to scale based on the resources that you have. Uh, So plan on, you know, if we get very little to no additional resources, what can we build that we can show off to our community, to potential investors, uh, to be able to leverage that for, for, you know, more fundraising. Uh, Or if we get a lot of fundraising from a very successful sale or, you know, a fundraising round, what, what, how do we scale that and, and do that efficiently to where there's not waste? So it's really just kind of thinking through that um, and, and like having your, your plan A, B and C. Uh, and that's something that we've done well, but uh, you know, you can always do things better, <laughs> but I would think that's the, the biggest takeaways. Perfect. Thank you. I hope, 
Yeah, that, that's good information. And I'll keep that in mind as we continue to develop our projects. So I really appreciate that. Um, my next question is, um, I was looking at your roadmap and I was, how, um, how hard was it to logistically plan out for a five-year roadmap? And like, how big is your team? Because I see you have, you're already about a year and a half into um, this five-year roadmap and you're planning on releasing a launch, um, the Dread launch. So I just kind of wondered a little bit. Yeah. So that is that goes into the last question of of uh, the challenges of like fundraising and, and knowing the resources that you're going to have. Um, but we uh, we are making great progress because we started development early. We started development before we ever started fundraising, before we had an NFT sale. Um, you know, that was the first thing we did. And we started showing teaser videos and giving updates to the community. Um, so we've made great progress and we are releasing our first mode I don't have a firm date, but I mean, really within like a week uh, is what we're expecting. And this is going to be our Dread Arena, uh, which is a um, it's an early alpha of our game. It's it's going to have all the like movement and fighting mechanics. It's going to have some enemies and, and um, uh, you know, weapons and, and things like that, that uh, players can go experience. It's really fun. I mean, I, I'm, I'm playing it every day, so I, I hope that, you know, players have as much fun as I am. But uh, but it's a wave based um, uh, survival mode. And then we're going to follow up with um, multiplayer and, and some additional updates to that. Um, so you said you were ma like managing your the expectations to making sure that, you know, you have the funding. Um, did it, your roadmap always start as a, like a five year roadmap or does it had it has it gotten longer? Do you feel like you're on schedule with everything as you're rolling it out? Yeah, and, and that's a good question. So we've always had a five year roadmap, but we we really plan to put, you know, 10 years into the project. Uh, but, but you can only really forecast so far. Uh, but we, I mean, me personally, like I want this to be something that I do for, for many years to come. And, and I want to build a successful uh, game that, that lasts for a long time. Uh, and, and I also, you know, I understand like, uh, player habits and, you know, just the, the life cycle of a game, uh, you know, where you have a big spike upon initial release and then usually like a slow decline over a period of time, maybe a little, you know, resurgences when you have like uh, big updates, but we want to do this game differently to where it, it scales up over time to where we, we have rollouts that, um, that are more phased and realistic because, you know, any, anybody that's played an MMO or waited for an MMO, you know, that they take, you know, years to, to be built, to release. And then by then, um, you know, it may be something that maybe the hype was too big for the game, or maybe, um, the market has kind of shifted, uh, or someone kind of beat you to the punch uh, with, with a similar kind of, you know, genre, and maybe they did something different. Uh, so that's one reason that we're building more open and releasing, uh, playable modes as deliverables for, for our community, for our investors, um, to where, you know, you can actually see our progress and get valuable feedback from our players. Um, so like, you know, we have this mode coming out within a week or so, um, then we'll have our PVP mode, uh, to where players can, can play in uh, tournaments against one another. Uh, and then we'll release a faction mode, which is a persistent world where players can, uh, you know, uh, take over territory and, and fight amongst each other. 
Um, and then we'll release our open world MMO. So it, it won't be just like we build in secret and, you know, three to five years later, we have this massive rollout and we spend, you know, half of our budget on marketing. It'll be something that we build uh, more open like we're doing now. And our community will be along for the ride. They'll be providing feedback. Uh, they'll be playing, you know, every time we have an update, they'll be able to play something. Um, and it'll help us to uh, build the game and, and to grow the community as we go. Um, okay, so I know that B-Bands has, I think, a couple more questions, but I would love it at this point if you could just explain how to start the game as somebody who has not been involved in your game at all, because I do see, I believe, if I understand correctly, that you actually don't need to buy an NFT to start this game or to play this game. Is that correct? That's right. This first mode, uh, in fact, all of the modes will not be token gated. Uh, we definitely want to reward our community members. We want to reward our uh, our, to our uh, NFT holders, and we have lots of uh, future rewards for them. But we also want to onboard as many players as possible because that's going to be the best for a successful uh, community building, for a successful game rollout. Uh, and so that's one reason that that uh, this is not token gated. So, yeah, if you just follow uh, the Old Or Twitter account, you will get updates on our rollout. We'll be having an early alpha uh, within the next week or so. And we'll probably be releasing keys through various. So we'll be releasing keys through various content creators. And then we'll also be uh, giving away some keys to our community. And um, and then we'll have a, a broader release to where anyone can go and, and download and play the game. That is awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are leaving it open for people. And then basically, you know, you can, I guess, upgrade or, you know, get an NFT if you play it. And so choose. It's more of like the, the mobile type game setup where you can download and play for free. But if you want to have a, a, a different experience or a more upgrade experience, you can purchase and play with that. So that's very interesting. Thank you. Awesome. Um, well, I feel like you answered m most of my questions um, in, you know, in the in what I had asked. And thank you so much for that. Is there anything that you would like to um, share with, um, you know, just one last thing you'd like to leave with? And then I don't know if you have five minutes uh, to see if anybody has any other questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would love to take questions. And, and the last thing I'll say is uh, for those who kind of want to know about the, the style and genre of the game, you know, we mentioned it's an MMORPG, but um, we're really drawing inspiration from Souls-like games like Elden Ring. Uh, so you will definitely get vibes from like an Elden Ring when you play it. Uh, but we also, uh, and, and from there, we, we, drive, uh, we draw like uh, the incredible challenges and difficulty of like a Souls-like game where you, where you feel the rewards of accomplishment. But we also are drawing from the social experience of more traditional MMOs like World of Warcraft and others, um, which, you know, I've spent tons of time playing myself. But, yeah, glad to take any questions. Just checking around to see if anybody has any questions. Um, I didn't ask you what platform um, we didn't uh, your game will be launching on. But if you can share that. Yeah, well. so the initial game is going to be PC. Uh, focused and we do plan to uh, you know we're, we're looking at like consoles but that's something that's that's probably further down the road but uh, we would love to support mobile at some point but uh, that certainly uh, is is further in the roadmap because there's additional challenges with that uh, cross play there but uh, but yeah it'll be PC for now and we'll be releasing on Elixir the Elixir game launcher 
All right. Awesome. It looks like nobody has any questions. Just double checking. Um, can I just say, though, if anybody oh, um, wants to take a look, I did pin or I did post their um, website in the comment section. And when you first go onto the website, like your initial graphic, like really got like it was really good. It really made me like excited to dive further into the rest of your website. So kudos to um, whoever came up with that idea or um, did that graphic. Like it was, it was really good. Thank you. And so that is our uh, main villain of our story. That's the Dread King. And uh, he's actually a metahuman character, which uh, metahumans are made by Epic Games and they're like hyper-realistic. It's not just a cinematic. He's actually in the game. So that's what the villains will look like in the world. Wow. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And actually, there is one more thing I did I did want to share with everybody. I enjoy lore. I love reading it. Um, it kind of I love good storytelling. So um I went in, I read your lore. I'm gonna reread it again. I definitely enjoyed it. I was like, wow, I'd watch this movie. It, was, it definitely had my attention and um I'm extremely excited and interested in in checking it out. Um but yeah, on that note, we will end our um, space. But I did want to share that. Um, thank you so much for joining us and did want to share that we will have Minxie. Um, I'm sorry, Tina Liu of uh, Minxie Project. She is a photographer and she was a she's a currently a photographer for Playboy, but she was also in um, Playboy. She has launched a collection that is geared to um, the uh, adult interest industry and helping people get their content out. As a lot of her um, clients, uh, I guess they lost their, their, I guess their, you know, uh, business with OnlyFans because OnlyFans is changing their, their, I guess their, terms and, and uses. So if you're interested in that, please join us next week on uh, January 16th. And as always, we have EJ clo close us out with his positive vibes. Hey guys. Um, yes, it's great hearing everyone this morning and I'm very happy that we get to do this and we're super blessed to have bands and, and saber scene up here as well as our guests every week so if you guys want to come on the show or you're hearing a recording just reach out to b bands or or our main space skelly's account or saber scene and we'll get you lined up i think we're booked out for a month or so but we really you know whether you got a thousand followers or forty thousand followers we'd love to have you on here but as we always say guys choose to find the good and the bad no matter what the situation may be we're always here to help you, and I hope you guys have an incredible week. And with that, we will see you guys next time. See you guys. Bye, guys. Thank you. Have an absolutely amazing week, everyone. We'll talk next week. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Bare Bones of Web 3, Episode 13, recorded on Monday, January 9th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pain, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap it in this reality?
reality the money comes from doing shows But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These sums of money that go to the record label per playback Can seem insultingly small Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent Each time he listens to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist And say they're making pennies, pennies per play Until they can figure out how to turn a profit Their future will always be in question But, for now, investors see enough potential to continue to Another day, another lesson Living in the eighth dimension Might be worth a little mention Living in the Great Depression Got a real regal feel Reeling in another sucker fish Out to make a deal Just to make a motherfucker wish Aw shit, now you only got two left You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile, foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Spaces.